Welcome to Interchain FM, where we dive into the frontier of the blockchain space. We're now in the third generation of blockchain tech, where a burgeoning multi-chain ecosystem is about to explode into what we call the decentralized web. Where Ethereum is to the mainframe computing era of the internet, Cosmos is to the PC era. If you're seeking alpha in the Cosmos ecosystem, look no further. This is the destination for your exponential learning experience. Interchain FM is where you can get the download on all of the high signal projects building bridges to one another and how you can participate in the future of the internet. I'm here with Guy Ziskind of Secret Labs. Welcome to the show, Guy. Honored to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So today we're here to talk about some exciting things. We were just at Consensus and we had uh, Kevin Smith in a pre-screening. So that was very exciting. And you guys are doing a Legend DAO launch. So yeah, let's just talk about that. Maybe we could do a synopsis of, you know, how you guys got Kevin Smith on. <laughs> sure. I mean, to, to do that, let's go a bit um, even before. We, first of all, we got uh, Quinny Tarantino, who was very, very excited. And once you get one director, um, you probably get like a few others like knocking at your door. So mm -hmm. that kind of led to someone who knew Kevin Smith, who introduced us, and we had a conversation, and we hit it off. Tor did give us like a little teaser about Quentin Tarantino that was back in September last year yep. around Cosmoverse time. So that was very exciting. Can you talk about that? I mean, like, you know, how you guys got Quentin Tarantino on board. And then after that, Kevin Smith came on board. And I'm sure in the future, you guys are going to get others on board as well. Yeah, there's a few other names we probably can't speak about yet. But Quentin Tarantino, that's an interesting story. Um, for those who don't know, I'm Israeli. Quentin married um, um, a pretty famous Israeli singer. And he spends his, splits his time between Tel Aviv and L.A., and so we had a mutual friend who introduced us. And so he came to the Secret Labs office and, you know, we, we had a, a great conversation. He was super skeptical about NFTs. Mm. Um, I mean, he's like, he's a, he's, a, he's a genius, right? Like he's a super smart guy. He understands things immediately. Like by that time, and that was like, I think August or July of like last year, like he's been pitched like NFTs like 10 times. But the cool part was that he was um, skeptical of NFTs because of, of the fact that they're, um, you can copy them, right? He said, like, I don't understand this, like, you know, distribution channel. If I'm giving something, selling something, you know, it's supposed to be something that I give to my fans or to people who like my art, and then everyone else can copy it. So, like, what's the point? I mean, I can just, like, upload it on the Internet if that's what I want to do. And we told him about our technology with secret NFTs, and now you can have private metadata. Uh, we were a bit less technical, but the point being that um, you know, we told him that on um, secret, you can actually have NFTs and sell NFTs and um, drop NFTs that um, only the owner can have access to the content, and then they can decide what to do with that. And that was the, the, that was the click, and that's really what kind of set things uh, in motion. And how did that lead to your pre-screening with Kevin Smith? That was a really well-attended party at Yeah, I mean, we had, I mean, first of all, we had a thousand people. I was, I was pretty amazed and got to give credit to the entire like uh, secret network team, you know, secret foundation, secret labs, uh, the secret agents. So they did an amazing job. Like I basically just came, came in and saw the whole thing ready. The thing with Kevin Smith was, first of all, he's like super engaged. He's super interested in Web3. 
his like vision and mindset in this whole like um, uh, Web3, NFT, whatnot movement is he has a philosophy which I share too that um, Hollywood is changing. It changed a lot. It's actually at an inflection point. And it's kind of uh, correlating that with the early 90s where, where he started and there were no independent films. And now the, and he was one of the first ones to do independent films. And he's like, okay, I think this whole like uh, entertainment industry meets like Web3 is going to become a big thing. I want to be at the forefront. And I mean, the original idea was his. He came with the idea that, you know, there's, there's a movie. He doesn't want to go through the usual channels of distributing that movie through like Netflix or through like, you know, theaters. He wanted to do it as an NFT. But he originally came with the idea of let's auction. They just sell someone the, the movie and the rights um, so that then they can sell it to Netflix and do whatnot. And um, we said, no, 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 let's do something different. Let's create um, um, a, a, an NFT that's much more accessible, much more in the spirit of Web3, where you know anyone who gets the NFT uh, basically gets access to the movie, that's part one, part B, gets access to Kevin and the ability to actually do like you know sequels on that movie and do follow-ups. And as a, as a nice teaser, you know, before consensus, um, we got together and said, you know what? Maybe we should actually have like some kind of like a, a premiere, like a preview drop, because that movie has never been seen. Like if you get the NFT, you're the first one to see the movie. Even I haven't seen the movie yet. It's like that, uh, to that level. Um, and we said, okay, let's do a teaser. Let's do like, you know, a cool party, well attended, and let's sell, you know, kind of like tickets to, to a, a premiere with Kevin of the movie, not a full movie, just one segment because it's an anthology. And uh, that's what we did. We saw, you know, we saw the uh, series of NFTs. Um, and that was cool, by the way, because each NFT, what it had, um, it, again, secret NFTs are private metadata, right? That only the owner can see. So each NFT, ticket, this basically was a ticket NFT, had like a three word secret password. And so when you, and it was unique for everyone. So when you came into the party, you didn't have to show your NFT, sign a transaction, do whatever. You just came into the entrance, said your three secret words password, and we matched it, and, and that was it. And I mean, that was basically a teaser and also a nice showcase of what Secret can do. And I think it was very powerful. Let me just wrap my head around what this future vision is um, of just potentially revolutionizing Hollywood. Um, like, let's talk about how it currently works because I know a lot of our listeners are not going to be in the know about that. Uh, and what the vision is about how NFTs are going to disrupt that business model. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm by no means an expert on the entertainment industry, but I've worked with, you know, we've already announced and did something with, with, with two um, major like Hollywood players, but we've been talking to like, you know, at least like a couple of thousand others. And we kind of give the same message. The way the entertainment industry works today is basically, first of all, it's, it's, it's a very close circle and a close club, right? If you're a well-known artist, um, then probably you can get access, you can get like, you know, let's say you're a director or a screenplay writer, so you can get a script to the studios, 
you can probably get a budget from them and you can actually like produce a movie but um, then you pretty much give up all of your rights as an artist what you can do with that, that kind of thing with that kind of thing and it, it greatly limits you similarly uh, Netflix and other streaming providers that you know that became um, I think one of the leading studios in these days, they kind of operate the same way, right? Like they buy IP from the artists and then they, the artist pretty much like loses. In, 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 in many cases, they don't even get a big piece of the pie, but even if they do, they are completely limited in what they can do with it and how they can experiment with it. So this is a very uh, concentrated model, very top down. And this is even about like the, the good, like the 1% the great artists. What about the 99% of artists that are trying to like make it in this world and are trying to kind of like show the love and show what they're doing? Like they have no chance. And so, in my opinion, um, you know, the vision, let's say, the future of content is that um, things are being done in a much more open, equitable way, and kind of like the maybe the consumer slash fan base slash people they kind of build and work with the artists to kind of release um, whatever it is they're doing. So to give you a few examples, I can imagine a, a, a decentralized Netflix or a decentralized Spotify that in its very basic, basic form, the artist comes there, they distribute you know, the, the, the movie, the book, the, their album, whatever, um, and then they distribute it as a series of NFTs. And uh, you know, users come in, uh, consumers, they buy, they rent it. It feels very much like Netflix. But then it's very different because of A, how it works, and B, the, the kind of like the IP model. So because it's NFTs, you actually get to own it. So now you can resell it. It's not like a top-down model where like, I'm Netflix, you're paying me subscription fee, or in Amazon, you're paying me per movie, you're buying it, and it's done. Now you can also start to resell it and you know the artists, the platform, ideally mostly the artists, they start to enjoy those secondary sales, which today are basically either pirated or untracked. So it's a much more open system that could actually create a better business model. That's on like level one. Level two, and again we're experimenting with that a bit with Kevin and potentially others soon. Um, level two is actually bringing the, the, the masses into the creative process. So Again, taking the, the Kevin example. So Kevin is, you know, the NFT gives you the movie, but it also gives you access to Kevin in producing the kind of like the next part of the anthology, like the, the, the sequel, any derivative material. So first of all, each person gets like, you know, their own version of the main character, or they can do what they want with it. So they get basically a share of the IP. And also, um, you know, they, they can become part of the community and help build future versions where they get, you know, benefits there, maybe even a financial upside in that, you know, uh, putting legalities aside because this is a, a complex topic. But ideally, the crowd can actually share part of, let's say, the funding of these like, kind of creations, but also share part of the upside or at least the, the, the end creation. To me, that's very exciting, and I even that, I think. Be just like the beginning, right? Like where people take it from there, it's like you know, the sky's the limit. It actually wasn't until this moment when I realized how 
well, that Secret Network has found its niche because you guys were starting with NFTs, Secret NFTs, um, but then really what it's rolling out to become is this Hollywood disruption. So just in the same way as how Bitcoin disrupted the Federal Reserve where they used to have the monopoly on fiat, we're kind of seeing you work towards disrupting Hollywood as we speak, right? So what, what ICOs did for opening up um, public sales to just any regular person so that it's not barred from entry for those people. Um, the way that, you know, going to stocks, investing in seed rounds is barred for just um, like accredited investors. So now what you're doing is you're, you're breaking open that model and making it so that anybody could potentially invest in and fund in a very broad way um, the upcoming movies so that now you're cutting out the middleman essentially so exactly. the, the incumbents the powers that be who control hollywood exactly that's amazing we think so that's really exciting too because especially with hollywood is 2015 until present day we've really seen a decline in the quality of storytelling um we've seen just gender swap remakes, you know, lack of original creativity, or you know, just taking some obscure Marvel superhero and uh, creating just like a sort of woke story out of that that isn't really remarkable in any way, right? Um, I just watched Aquaman um, because I wanted, I wanted to watch Amber Heard in action, and I couldn't even go through 30 minutes of the movie. And the movie, I was yeah, so disappointed with the Matrix 2 that just remade. Anyway. Yeah, um, so I, I saw it on the fly. Yeah. Underwhelming to say the least. Seriously, underwhelming. And so, you know, this is what Hollywood is currently going for. It's going for this propagandistic sort of narrative. And, you know, original artists, really, like true creatives, can't really break into this space and provide anything better to their, to their audience. Where do you see this going for audiences? I think this is one of Secret's niches, right? I feel like, you know, we've been building this um, for years and concept conceptualizing this for years. And I definitely think that like there's clear product market fit here and something big growing. Um, but it's, again, it's not the only thing that we care about that we're doing. But I think that that vision is like spot on but I think we're still very young. Like even with Kevin, like we have to like we're even with Tarantino, even with Kevin, I think Kevin is willing to take things a bit further than Tarantino uh, was. Um, but it's still an experimentation, you know. I kind of, I kind of equate it so to some grandiose, like with like maybe the the first like you know Wright Brothers flight, right? With like a clunky machine that the barely flew like you know 20 meters, but it still worked and it was like game changing. So hopefully. This is a step in the right direction. Um, I think what we're seeing, just so that people know, without like revealing too much, is you know we're starting to make connections, right? Like when you deal with a few big names and people start to kind of come your way, and we're actually seeing like a few people who are actually saying, look, we believe in the same model, we believe in the future of content, we believe in what you're doing and what we can do with it, and we want to actually like you know be a bigger part of it and, and take the creative part for example because like look we're techies right like, what do i know about entertainment but it's great that we see like producers and directors coming to us saying we we wanna we wanna like you know um um spirit this 
in secret. So how does this lend itself to the Legendale launch? At the end of the Legendale was designed and said to be an NFT platform that makes use of secret NFT capabilities. Anything that uses content distribution, like a new movie, like a new book, like an old historical screenplay, all of these things, they lend themselves very well to secret NFTs and those could be launched through Legendale. And so, you know, we can bring Kevin Smith, we can bring outside studios, we can bring an in-house producer that knows like everyone in Hollywood and outside of it to continue to produce content. And many of those would have their own, you know, NFT drops and those could be launched for Legendal. That's from the content. And the other end of Legendal, which I think is very quite important, is the fact that it's, it's I just think it, it will provide much better UX. And look, we're taking a note from uh, Osmosis here, to be honest, and a few others, um, where I think they're really up, up the game when it comes to UX in the crypto space. I've been here since 2014, and I think only in the last year, people really started to care about UX. And so I think Legendal, it just meant to not be boring, it meant to be sticky. It meant to be something that you would want to come back to, and you would kind of like, you know, build your reputation on it and get more benefits and get more things. That's kind of it. That's that's really it. I'm I'm kind of open to like what direction Legendal takes in terms of like what content brings. Whether it's going to be just Hollywood and music, or whether it brings like you know Web three projects and DeFi. So it's uh, I think the jury is still out on what would be like the right fit for the platform. But that's what also gets me excited because I want people to experiment. Like we have so many people saying, we want to drop like this collection and that collection and meet it on Legendale. And we're like, no, that's not interesting. Like you have to do something that's unique. Why do you suppose blockchain is uniquely positioned to disrupt these incumbents that are so powerful? It's in the basics. Right? No, no intermediaries, no centralized parties. You know, everything um, beyond sensitive data that in secret you may want to keep private, but in general, it's just like, it's, it's kind of like rooted in the movement, I feel. Let's talk about DRM, you know, because you guys have Cosmos and smart contracts. At what point do you imagine this smart contracting capability to kind of produce the same sort of, you know, anti-piracy and DRM effects that people desire in Hollywood. I actually have a fairly strong opinion on that. I don't think we, I mean, I think we can do it today for the most part. Um, and we talked about it extensively internally. We don't want to do it. Can we offer content creators and movie directors the same desired result without DRM? There's a lot of people opposed yeah. DRM, um, but the, the people who produce the content want it, right? Because they, they don't want piracy of their content. So, per, yeah, perhaps if we're going to put our um, crypto brains into it, as in, you know, instead of imposing some strict policy over it, we could design a better thing using mechanism design and incentives. So we disincentivize piracy, but we incentivize something else that is desired. Actually, that's a very good point and feedback, like we haven't thought about it too much from the incentive perspective and maybe that's the right way to tackle it. I think this merits a lot more thought. My concern again is, you know, that it's 
it's, it's gonna turn into, into something that tries to discourage people actively from like, you know, copying and you know, pirating Whereas I kind of feel that, you know, what, what we need to do is we need to give people the ability to kind of like be a part of this, be part owners, um, um, uh, be part of a collective, like have a good reason to kind of like stay in the system and also have amazing UEs. I'm going to give like one like props to like Netflix. I've never officially downloaded any torrents, um, but unofficially I've not been doing that since I had Netflix and others because I don't see the need. The UI is easier, it's nicer, and I think if we do that on Web3, that's the best deterrent like quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I actually, um, you know, not talking to you now, you know, putting my crypto native hat on and I'm thinking that, so, so what happens if we don't discourage the copying of content for mass distribution? So, you know, if we have a distributed network like on a blockchain, um, and you know, when we're talking about torrents, there is not really a financial incentive for people to provide torrents. So, you know, what if in fact the act of copying and serving these files is um, becomes profitable and there is direct incentive to copy and distribute it widely, but at the same time, some of that revenue royalties, I suppose, goes back to the original artist directly. And so therefore now you have this network effect. There is not like a top-down central organization like Netflix that solely owns the right to this file. Thinking along those lines actually could um, be very beneficial for this type of incentive-based model. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Even without like the kind of the lower level of like having like seven torrents, just the fact that like users can rent or buy or own like content from the platform and then resell it directly. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter like who's selling it and how it's stored, let's say some decentralized storage. Um, I think that that's, that achieves a similar effect, right? Because mm -hmm. like, they enjoy a piece of the pie, so they have less incentive of pirating them because they get nothing. Mm -hmm. If they resell it, they get more. Um, and the artist also gets a piece of the pie. So I think that's like part of it. And the only person that loses would be the uh, the uh, Netflixes and the Amazons and the uh, Hollywoods of the world, wouldn't it be? Unless they adapt, right? Unless they, yeah, exactly. Anything else that you have to talk about with Legend Launch? Just so the people know, like, um, we were technically going to launch Legend um around like May, June uh, with a token. The platform is split into like two phases. So, phase one was kind of like the NFT launchpad or main platform, basically taking secret NFT collection, like the Kevin Smith one, launching it from the platform uh, with very nice UX, but all of the gamified aspects and all of the DeFi aspects, uh, where you like have your avatar and the more like you participate in these memes, like you collect experience points and get loot, and the more loot and experience you get, like the more that you get rewards in, in, in uh, like, like higher staking rewards and better access to means and all that. So that second part is not yet ready. Um, and what we're thinking right now is actually doing the, the launch of the two pieces um, together. And not doing them now, but doing them in a couple of months and you know, very openly, you know, market conditions kind of uh, dictate that and suggest that 
which is not a bad thing. Like uh, you know, I I actually enjoy the, the the quiet period of this bear market or semi bear market where we can just like dabble down and build. Yeah, absolutely. And what you're doing now is positioning yourselves to really capture a lot of the um, mainstream attention come the next bull market because all of these Hollywood directors are um, launching their NFTs on secret. By the way, it's not just a secret play, it's a cosmos play. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's actually three it really things. Is. Secret play, cosmos play, because anytime we mention secret, we also let people know about cosmos, and you know, usually they have to go to osmosis and get secret or stuff like that. Um, and, but also, it's an exercise for us to improve the UX. And that's extremely important. And why is that important? Because the people we're trying to attract into Secret and Cosmos and Web3 in general are people who don't use crypto, right? Like Kevin Smith has a fan club and we've been talking internally. How do we bring those people in? In the party this week, there were, there were a few people with Kevin Smith club shirts on, on the first line, extremely excited that from the best of our understanding, like had to, actually one, one of them said it, like they went through like a lot of hoops, like getting crypto and doing that, and, and, and they did it because they're fans. But how do we lower the barriers to the masses? In so to me, that's an extremely interesting exercise. We could go into the discussion about key management in the US and making it all simpler um, in, in a much longer conversation, but we don't have time for that. So, okay, can you help me? Um, wrap my head around legend token and secret token and how they play with each other sure so legend token is launching on secret so it's a snip 20. snip 20s are are essentially like erc 20s or cw20s for those who know um we did a, a small hack so that it's like ibc as well so that basically like you can move it like a native asset as well like if you want to go to osmosis or other chains but it's generally speaking a token built on secret, which gives you two benefits out of the box. One of them is that it's private, which means that you know you can use it and no one can trace you unless you give them access. And two, that um, whenever people are going to vote, it's a governance token. Whenever people are going to vote, uh, governance on the edge is going to be private by default, which is extremely important in my in my opinion. I, I completely don't believe that, you know, governance tokens with public voting, like, have any merit. Oh, yeah, actually, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just look at results, right? Like, 95 plus percent of the people always vote for the same thing. Yeah, exactly, because there's immense social pressure yeah. when your reputation is on the line. So you have to be brave in order to vote counter to what the, what the majority votes for. Tell me reason about what how how is the privacy preserved when it moves out of secret and onto osmosis, for example, that doesn't necessarily have the same. Um, for the token, no. Once you move the token out, the privacy is not preserved. However, uh, we're actually talking to let's say we, we've received like one grant, and we're talking to let's say um, I don't I, I'm not able to share it with a party that's pretty well known in the space about working on a private like interchain accounts and a private bridge that would allow us to more easily kind of like um, outsource secret like secret tokens benefits to other chains as well. That's a really key missing ingredient because you get all the privacy benefits once you're on one chain but 
lose all of it once you do something cross-chain. And if we're trying to nurture composability in this interchain ecosystem, that's kind of what we want, right? We want one chain to have a specialization, but at the same time, uh, other chains should be able to leverage that specialization without having to build that in themselves. That's a big reason why we went with Cosmos, right? Because exactly that, like we want to be, I mean, look, we want a thriving ecosystem of secret and other things being built. But at the end of the day, we just want to be able to kind of be like the privacy layer of mm -hmm. Cosmos or Web3 and to allow others, whatever we're building, to use those capabilities. Right, I mean, right now it sounds like black magic to me. Tell it to me straight, is it technically feasible? Which part? The secret network-like privacy features baked into interchain accounts so that other chains can have this privacy. Yeah, so we're still looking into it. I don't want to like overstate that it's like uh, simple or we have all the, all the like, you know, box like checked, like we don't. I think it is feasible. A big question is, you know, to what level, like do we start with an MVP where it's like, it's not as easy as it could be. Um, it's, it, it does require the user to be a bit of co conscious about how they use it. People who don't know, like often, like it doesn't matter like what privacy technology you use, like whether it's like zero knowledge proofs, secret network, Monero, whatever mixes, whatever you do, at the end of the day, like if you don't use these tools the right way and you don't understand how they work, you're probably going to dox yourself. So again, we're, I think we're going to build it in layers and eventually get to a point where, you know, in 95% of the cases, or maybe even more, a user clicks like one box on another chain and it's, it's just like, you know, completely private. Yeah. But I think in the, in the short term, it's going to be more like, you know, it's, it's good enough for most, it's fairly easy. Um, but that would be the first step. Not to get too deep into the technical weeds, but I am still curious. So, you know, if Interchain accounts has secret privacy, does that mean whoever's running it need to have SGXs? No, no, that's not, not the idea. Okay. Yeah. I mean, validating the secret would still need to have SGX, but... Yeah, but no. some, somehow they're able to, they would be able to export that secure enclave over to other Chains. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, something at some point in the loop would have to be executed um, probably seamlessly, right? Like it would be like an immediate round trip where you go from one chain to secret, do some magic, right, that, that helps you with privacy, then go back and, and, and do it like, you know, very, very seamlessly. I mean, there's no way around that because you do need SGX and, 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 and that's for like one of these privacy aspects. Um, but that should be very simple, seamless, and um, other chains would be more like consumers, right? Like, like users would encrypt, like, and sign and encrypt, like, on their chain, go through secret and back. Um, so they won't really need, like, no one else would need to do what we're doing. Okay, I guess what that looks like to me in a tangible sense is someone taking a packet, like, bringing it on an airplane, and then taking, like, a round trip to a destination round trip back to secret? Yeah, kind of. I mean, again, we're working on improving those other things, but like, generally speaking, imagine that you have, I don't know, you have your assets on Osmosis um, or, or the hub, um, and you want to like send, like, you know, do a swap privately, or let's, let's make it simple, like send those assets to someone else privately. So, um, you know, with a click of a button, 
what would happen is it would go through secret, it would wrap it, it would send it, it may need to, in those, again, there was a lot of consideration, it may need to kind of like um, mix it or be in a, in a larger crowd of transactions because you have to always have an anonymity set and then immediately go back, uh, let's say, to osmosis, mm -hmm. right? So yes, yeah, around here. Are there any closing remarks that you have, like anything that we missed that you might want to talk about? I mean, again, we touched legend of secret NFTs, we touched, um, you know, privacy for transaction, which is great. But um, I think we're, we're trying to focus on, on a lot more right now. So first of all, we're focusing a lot on the infrastructure, much more. We have a lot more developers now working directly on the infrastructure to really bring the secret to a level that it can service all these other chains um, with what it does best. And there's a lot of like really, really cool privacy ideas that has been coming from our community that I'm super excited about that leverage secret and its privacy. So for example, um, there's a project that's building, um, a, it, it takes like encrypted versions of like your financial, like, like financial transactions from the blockchain and even integrate with like third parties like exchanges and that, encrypts them, run their algorithm, computes a credit score, and that's kind of like your identity, right? You believe in title NFT, and you can take that to other places in Cosmos and use that to maybe get under collateralized loans because you're a more trustworthy party without actually showing everyone like all of your transaction history and all that. Um, there's, there's many of those and like, um, um, I, I think that, you know, it's, uh, I think that as soon as we get to a position where contract to contract calls from one chain to another is easy, which should be before the end of the year, then people's minds are basically going to explode with ideas mm -hmm. what can be done. Right. Really excited for the unlocking of this potential in the interchain ecosystem. Contract to contract yeah. calls. What would enable that? Is it through interchain accounts or like what 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 gives that property? So, uh, you know, it's harder than it seems. Um, I think one thing I need to say that interchain accounts, they're super excited, we're all excited about them. But I think they're becoming a bit of a buzzword, and they're not quite, at least they weren't designed quite in a way to be as generic as we hope and want. And I actually think this would require a bit more of like a Cosmos, um, a joint Cosmos effort between the different chains to kind of think about how can we improve on that model, because I don't think everything would be enabled with interchain accounts. But I think if we work on it, then it could be potentially. Yeah, would it be something that needs to be done on IBC? Or I also know that um, AppSolar has a general message passing protocol. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, they want to enable cross-chain cross contract calls um, with IBC integrating. Um, yeah, but I, I suppose we're still working on the technology, right? About like which particular these tools is going to uh, provide this property. To be fair, Excel are working on this and we are working with them and it may be that like doing like by contract to contract on different chains like calls um, is going to be faster between say like secret or any other chain and not IBC but Ethereum because Excel are focusing on EVM the general purpose like messaging protocol is almost ready we're working with them right now to integrate it so that might become sooner than 
IBC to IBC contract to contract. Oh wow. Yeah. I hope not. I hope it's about the same time, but it might be the case. Yeah, because yeah, the XBAR team is uh, directly working on that. Yep. And to provide the IPC extraction, and I think uh, somebody in the Cosmos ecosystem would need to build that in and extend the capability. Right. right. So much athlete uh, in this interview. Guy, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Interchain FM. As always, I will read through the pages of white papers and condense only the alpha for you in a one hour long digest. Be sure to subscribe to Chango and Chain's YouTube channel to be up to date about the latest technology and never miss a live streamed episode.